0: Welcome to the Mom is Fit podcast, Birth Story Friday. In this episode, Lauren is going to be sharing her two birth stories. Her first was an unmedicated induction at 37 weeks due to high blood pressure, but she pushed for four hours. And so for her second birth, she was preparing to try to push a little bit less, but her baby was flipping all over the place from breach to head down to breach. So she had another induction in which she only pushed for 12 minutes. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula, and this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong
1: and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth.
0: We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness. Professionals. Our goal is to help you feel
1: confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey.
0: We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Thank you, Lauren, for joining us today to share your birth story with a ECV after your baby was breached and then having a vaginal birth for your second baby. So can you just introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Hi, my name is Lauren, and I am a somatic EMDR practitioner. Um, I live in Columbus, Ohio, and this is my second birth. And uh, my daughter is two, and my son now is about three months.
0: So can you tell us your story? So how is your pregnancy and preparation
2: for your birth? My preparation was pretty low-key just because of how sick I was. But I have kind of had the sweet spot of the 10 weeks between like 25 and 35, where I was really able to like do more work. And so that felt really good. Like a lot of public floor exercises, a lot of like just mentally preparing for birth after having a really difficult and um, traumatic first birth. So I was feeling a lot more prepared this time around. I had like a doula on board, a doula team on board. I had a really supportive OB. And so a lot of the work I felt in my prep was more mental because I, again, I was limited physically. And so I felt really strong and good going into my my labor and also wanting it to be like a redemptive experience from the first which i listening to your podcast i know you especially gina talked about that but i'm kind of wanting that to it to be different this time like wanting this time to be better and it is like you've said like a lot to put on to your child but i just wanted to be a better experience and i felt the first time like i failed in certain ways because i had to push for so long and I also was kind of going into it feeling a little bit worried because I had done an unmedicated birth. And so I just felt like I can't push for four hours again, unmedicated. I just like, don't know if my body will be able to do it. A lot of the preparation again was just like mental. We did your push course, which was really, really helpful and learned a lot about, like, I didn't really know about this different stations. So that was really helpful for me and like learning about like the difference between bearing down and pushing. Cause I don't think that happened with my daughter. And so I did a lot of that prep work too. So that's. Yeah, a lot of reading, studying, preparing, mentally getting ready for another unmedicated birth.
0: So what did you do when you found out that your baby was breached? And what advice or guidance did your provider give you?
2: So at 33 weeks, my son was breached. And my provider told me like, he'll flip. Don't worry about it. This is very, it's very rare that they won't. It's you're still early on enough. And I was like, great, perfect. I'm not going to worry about it. At 36 weeks, he was head down. And so I was like, okay, great. Like, hopefully he won't flip. But both of my pregnancies, especially my son, really, really active. Like, I could feel him flipping and turning and kicking all the time. So I thought, okay, like, hopefully he will not flip again. But you never know. Because, like, there's so many uncertainties. I went in in my 37 a week and he flipped again. So he was head up. And my provider, I don't know how common this is. But my provider was like, I think I'm going just to try to flip him here in the office. So she started very gently trying to turn him. And she tried for about 45 minutes and he would not budge. And she had another OB come in and they were both trying to move him, watching the monitor and like his heart rate and everything. And he just wouldn't move. Wow. And so this is a Friday. And so my OB said, okay, I'm going to schedule you for the first possible ECV on Monday morning. And Hopefully he'll flip, and if not, we'll we will schedule you for a cesarean at 39 weeks. And I was like, "What about a breech birth?" And she said, "Well, given your history, I don't really know. I've done breech births, but it's it it'd be possible. But since you pushed for so long, I'm not really sure." And at that time, I was like really upset, really really upset that like this is like the second time. I was 37 weeks, and with my daughter, I was induced at 37 weeks for high blood pressure, and so. I was thinking like, he's not going to flip because he, they try for 45 minutes. Like, what are the chances in like less than 48 hours, he's going to flip again. And so I went home and like over the weekend, my husband and I were just like, okay, I guess we have to either prepare for a cesarean or we have to prepare for potential breach vaginal birth because we don't know what's going to happen on Monday morning. And because that following Monday morning, I was going to be 37 and five. I was hoping that they would just induce me that I could opt for an induction if they were able to flip in. Because I really, I felt that mentally, it'd be really hard for me to like wait for 39 weeks and hope that he'd flip, even if me and my doulas are doing all the things to try to help him flip. So we were like weighing out the options of like, if he does flip, if he doesn't flip, what are we going to do? And just hoping that they would, they would allow me, I guess, like I was going to be delivering at hospital, I was hoping that they would just allow me to be induced. So, you know, I was just worried. And we were really stressed the whole weekend, like, waiting for another big flip, you know, but like, He was moving a bunch. They said that the flip would potentially work because he's really small. Both of my babies were like six pounds, 10 ounces. I have a long torso and then they're smaller. And they said the second burst that there's more room. So they were like thinking that he'd flip. But I was like, after 45 minutes, he didn't flip. So I don't know. And so we went to the hospital on Monday morning and um, they had me all hooked up to everything prepping me for an emergency C-section. If that happened and I was asking them all the questions like, how likely is it that this would... Cause a seat, like cause the water to break. Like, what should I be prepared for if I have to have an emergency C-section? Like all these different things. And they were saying that it was pretty low, like the risk was low. And in my mind, I just felt like I wanted to do everything to try to have a vaginal birth. And I felt like, okay, I, I let's just try this. And my doulas were very, very much like gave me a bunch of options. And it's like these are the things you can do. Whatever you feel is best. And so we went in and we got ready, and my OB came in. And within, like, five minutes, he flipped. Like, it was, like, instant. Like, I don't even... Because I could see they're wearing their masks, and I could, like, see the second OB's eyes, like, light up because she could sense that he was flipping. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then he just, like, flipped head down. They were both, like, both the OBs. And I started crying. I was just so excited and couldn't believe it. And I just asked my OB, I'm like, could you just induce me now? Like, I I just... He's flipped. I think he's going to flip again. Like, I don't know for sure, but what, what do you think? And she was like we'll induce you. And so that was at like 30, 10 o'clock. And then I was induced with pitocin at noon. And then my son was born like 13 hours later. So it was a really fast induction. That is awesome. What was your cervix at when your induction started? So I was at two centimeters and I was 70% effaced and I was negative two stationed. Okay,
0: that's awesome. That's a really good starting point for induction. And with it being your second birth made sense for why it was so much faster. How long did you push for your second birth if your first was four hours? How fast was the second one in comparison? So I pushed for 12 minutes with my son. That's awesome. (laughs) We'll (laughs) take the credit for the pushing course.
2: Uh, But really, it's just the fact that it was your second baby. (laughs) Well, that's what I've I've heard you guys say. Like, we want to take the credit for the second one being so much better, but it's probably just that it's a second birth. But I will say like, the pushing course really helped. And I had a really supportive team. And I was, I was on my side holding my leg up. And it just some reason that really, really worked. And he came up direct OP, like straight up at the ceiling. He came out, I like could not because every all the birth team, I was like buried in my husband's chest. And the whole birth team's like, Oh, my gosh, he's OP, he's OP, he's coming out. And I'm like, I could, I mean, obviously, I could feel it. But but yeah, it was it was unbelievable how quick it was. I could I could not because I was gearing myself for like I was like two hours. I'd be happy with two hours. Half the time, I'll take it. And it was like twelve minutes. And if baby wasn't OP, it probably would have
1: been even quicker. Right. He would have just fell out. <laughs>
2: I'm like, oh my word. Yeah.
0: We won't take the credit because it was just your
2: second baby. But I like to think yes. that we
0: contributed a little
2: bit. <laughs> I think, no, I think that you did. Because what, so when I they started the Pitocin, I was literally looking through the slides from your pushing course, like on the medicine ball, like going through the slides on your pushing course. And then my my doula provide, like used done, you guys as a resource too. And so she was like, go to Stay Fit. And I'm like, I'm on it. I'm already like looking at all their stuff. And so she was doing all, of, I I'd tell her like my contractions, she'd be like, move like this, do it like this. And it just helped so much. That's
0: awesome. So in reflection, how did you feel about your birth and what were things that contributed towards the positive experience and what were some things that you wish were different about this birth?
2: I felt really, really empowered by this birth. I felt empowered by my daughter's birth as well, but I felt that this time I felt more in control of what was going on, even though it was an induction. So there was like a lot of things that weren't in my control, like with any birth, but I felt this time that I felt more empowered, like even in a medical setting, I felt like I could like push back when they wanted to do certain things. And so they were really wanting to break my water from like the jump. They were like really wanting to do that. Like we want to break your water, we want to break your water. And I was just like, I want it to break naturally. There's so much Pitocin in my system. I really want it to break naturally. The only thing, you asked about changing, right? Yeah, if there's anything that you would change. I think the only thing I would change would be potentially doing like a, I I kind of wish that it would have been at home one, even though it was an induction, just because I felt like there was a lot of pressure to stay on their timeline, like the hospital's timeline. Like, even though the induction went really quickly and I was dilating very quickly for, from, it was a good starting position, but like, I still had the, I still had him in 13 hours and I was dilating really quickly. Like my water broke and an hour and a half later he was born. So it was like I I felt like I was moving fast enough, but there was always this like pressure from the hospital to like, and the nurses who were really wonderful, but they kept saying like, we wanna break your water. And I felt like that was something that felt like unnecessary for me and unnecessary intervention. And I felt like if I didn't have that pressure, I feel like the bursts would have been almost perfect, which I know is, is kind of unbelievable. And even saying that I'm like, wow, that's like such a privilege to have such like a really good birth especially in a hospital setting with an induction. But I felt that without that added pressure, it would have been like a little bit better, I think. Because they were coming in like every hour on the hour. Like, okay, you're not, you know, they'd be checking me. You're not making enough progress. And it kind of like makes you feel like you're doing something wrong because you're not dilating fast enough, even though yeah. you are. And I was yeah, like... That was a really, really yeah. fast induction. Like 13, 13 hours from to
1: start to finish that's pretty, it's pretty oh. good. It's a really quick induction. So the fact that they were pushy about the breaking of the water seems kind of crazy. Yeah. And then it's like added stress that's like put on top of like, you are trying to like stay in this like birth zone and like labor world. And it just keeps pulling you out, which like just keeps interrupting that like labor feedback loop. Right, right. So potentially it could have been even faster if they just stopped asking about breaking your water, maybe.
2: <laughs> right. And I felt like, I felt that something that was really Something that like I kind of took from the experience too was that you can typically, if it's not a medical emergency, you can say, let me think about that. Sure. Like I didn't know that the first time around. The first time around, I was just like, what, okay, yes, like episiotomy, sure. You know, you're going to have me pushing my back for this long. Okay. Like you're, you know what you're doing because you're the midwife, you're the doctor, you're whoever. But coming from this experience, I'm realizing, I've realized that like, unless again, it's an emergency, something's wrong with me or the baby, you can say, I want to think about what you're asking me. And then can you, come, can you leave and come back? Sure. So I would say, like, can we have a couple of minutes to discuss this? And me and my husband and I, our doula would, just, would talk about it. And my doula would be like, there's no medical reason for them to break your water. Mm-hmm. And you have so much Pitocin surging through your body that if they do, this is unmedicated, you are going to be in just a, even more pain. And so they would come back in and they would say, what do you think? And I'd be like, I want to wait longer. And I just felt like that felt empowering because it felt like me and my team are making this decision together for the best that I think for the best for me and for my body and for my birth experience. And I didn't have that the first time. There's always like this rush, it seems, in the hospital, but like there's actually typically time to slow it down and like think about what's best for you and like regulate your own nervous system and like actually just calm and like make logical decisions for your own birth. Yeah. Which... I think I didn't know that the first time.
0: What let you know that it wasn't an emergency and so that you had time to ask for more time? So what what kind of were the clues to let you know that I could ask for more time right now?
2: So the nurses were not, there was only, so I was a one-to-one nurse with me, but she was kind of coming in and out and letting me like labor with my doula and my husband. And they were doing the monitoring, consistent monitoring on my stomach because of the Pitocin but they were also letting me like get up and walk laps like the whole time. And so I was like, I felt the entire time that like what was happening was manageable. Like it didn't feel out of control to me. Like I felt like this is really painful, even though that's like big bad Pitocin, you know, it was like really, really painful, but I felt in control and I could like read kind of like, I could almost read from the nurses that it wasn't an emergency because she would come in and be like, well, I talked to the OB and they said, it's up to you, but they would really like to break your water. And I would, and then I would ask them like, what are the benefits? What are the pros and cons of you breaking my water? Like, and I would ask like, what's the risk of you breaking my water? They had told me that the risk was that if they didn't break my water, there'd be infection. But I thought that it was like reversed that like, if you do break the water, that there's like higher risk of infection. Cause you're kind of on like a timeline at that point. And so that would be correct. Right, okay. you, you are correct. <laughs> I'm, like, I thought, I'm like, I think that's backwards. I'm not going
0: to fight with a nurse. Let's leave
1: this bag of water intact because that's a risk for infection. <laughs> yeah. I was like, like oh. An intact water. He's <laughs> like, I'm not a nurse or a healthcare
2: professional, but I feel like that's not true. Um, so they might, like, I feel like they misspoke maybe. Right. Yeah. I It was confusing. And so I feel like, I guess I could kind of read it. And then my doula was like, I could tell knowing my doula pretty well, like I could tell like when the nurse was telling me something, the doula would just be really quiet and she kind of sit there. It felt like I had the support that they, this person outside the medical system who had a lot of knowledge about this birth was supporting me and kind of like validating my experience of what was happening for in during the birth. Does that answer the question? Like it, I don't know. If yeah. That, yeah. I think that yeah, answers that the question. Really good. So what advice do you have for
0: others who may find out that their baby is breached and they're navigating their pregnancy, trying to
2: decide on their options? Like what advice would you give to that person? I would say as hard as it is, like if you find out that your baby's breached, don't immediately think that you are like out of options or that you immediately have to get a C-section if that isn't what you want for your birth. Like I would say just to explore all the different options with an open mind the best that you can. It's really hard to, because it, it seems like if, when you're told your baby is breech, it's like there's this moment where you like your dreams are like dashed of like this birth that you wanted because things do really, they can really change. And I guess I'm speaking from someone who had a successful flip, but I would say like, don't let it completely tank your spirits and your hopes and your dreams for the birth because you never know what's gonna happen. I would always say like have a doula be there for your birth or like a trusted person who is very like knowledgeable about births so they can advocate for you and ask them like what you think your options could be because there were more options than I realized. And I also didn't know a lot about breech births. And so I thought immediately, like, oh, it's dangerous. It's like that wouldn't work. It's worse than it's worse than cesarean or whatever. But I like looked into it and I'm like, it doesn't have to be. Like you can, you could some women are like very good candidates for breach, like safe breach births, and you can you can do it. It's not just like your baby's birth your baby's breach. And so you have to have a C-section. If you're wanting a vaginal birth, of course. Like, you know, like I just wanted a vaginal birth. So I would say like, again, don't let it completely dampen your experience and just like take a deep breath and be okay let me explore my options and let me like ask all the questions that I feel like I need to ask even if you think it's a silly question because it's probably not a silly question because a lot changes when your babies preach so yeah I think I think that's what I would tell people.
0: I think that's good advice. Yeah, thanks. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for taking the time to share your birth story with us and to share advice to others who may find out that their baby is breached so that they understand that they do have options during their birth. You might have to advocate a little bit harder for some of those options, but I'm really glad that you had the support that you did for your birth with your medical team, with your doula and with your partner. And so thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. And thanks for all the work you guys do.
3: Hi. I'm Chris. When my wife and I first found out we were going to be parents, I was admittedly pretty overwhelmed. I had no idea what to expect during pregnancy, labor, and birth, and I knew I wanted more than anything to be able to confidently support my wife during what would be one of the most physically and emotionally intense experiences of her life. Deciding to take the Mama Stay Fit Childbirth Education course truly changed my entire outlook from being nervous and unsure of what to do or say to feeling calm and prepared to advocate for my family. In the Mama Stay Fit Childbirth education course, I learned what to expect overall, how to read the stages of labor and tons of different comfort techniques to better support my wife during them, and most importantly for me, what questions to ask and what rights we were entitled to with our birth provider and location. We learned how to communicate our birthing desires, and I felt so much more equipped to calmly stand my ground and be a rock for my wife where I otherwise would have felt unsure of how to avoid just feeling like another helpless body in the room. I know for a fact this course elevated my experience as a new father and then again when we welcomed our second baby and I cannot recommend it more to all birth partners out there. Thank you Gina and Roxanne for all that you do to educate and empower us.
1: So in Lauren's story she was sharing how her baby was breech and then head down and then breech again and then they had to do an ECB and this is what we would consider unstable lie so baby was not head down or staying in a particular position baby was just like flipping and moving all over the place. And this is a concern because we want to know if baby is like head down or breech for delivery. Some providers are not comfortable doing breech vaginal deliveries. So if this baby is unstable and kind of flipping all around, one, this could affect baby's ability to engage into the pelvis if he's not in a particular position. But also baby could flip and be breech in the middle of labor. And then depending on the provider that you have, this could affect your like birth options. So with unstable lie, if the baby is like breech and then they're able to flip baby to head down, they'll either do an induction that day or they'll recommend like an induction the next day and they'll do like a belly band at the top of the belly to kind of keep baby in that position because potentially there's just too much room maybe for baby to be able to flip all around from head down to head up. And this is also that belly band is in hopes pushing baby down to kind of engage into that pelvis so that head can't like pop out of the pelvis and reposition itself into a breech position as well. And that's why then they'll do that induction sooner rather than later so that they can get that baby out of the body in a head down position since most providers are comfortable with head down and not breech vaginal deliveries. It can be important to understand what your options are though with breech vaginal delivery, if you are potentially having a baby that is in an unstable lie or is in a breech position, will your provider support breech vaginal birth if it happens or if you show up in labor and your baby is in that breech position? What are your options? If your provider will not support breech vaginal birth, are there any providers in your area that will support breach vaginal birth? And then, as well, is breech vaginal birth even an option that you want to explore? Or if your baby is in that breach position and repositions itself from head down to breech in the middle of labor, would you rather opt for a C section? So, knowing what your options are, in which options you actually would want to explore, can be helpful if you find yourself in a position where your baby is in unstable lives. So, just flipping all around the place. So just to recap, unstable lies where your baby keeps repositioning itself a lot in your belly from either breech to head down, breech to head down, even transverse can be thrown in there so baby is sideways. Tips that you can do is once your baby is head down, whether with an ECV or they just happen to see that baby is now head down, you can wear like a belly band at the top of your belly to kind of keep baby head down and engaged in your pelvis. An induction, depending on where you are in your gestational age an induction can be recommended so that baby can stay, head down, and then move towards a vaginal birth. But understanding your options of whether or not your provider will support breech vaginal birth or if they won't and your only option is a C-section can be helpful to know whether or not you need to find a new provider if you would like to explore a breech vaginal birth if necessary or if you would rather just offer a C-section if baby appears to be breached during your labor. birth.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're pregnant and you're wanting more support during your pregnancy, you can join our online childbirth education course and prenatal fitness programs. You can also bundle them together to get 15% off. If you're postpartum and you're trying to figure out how you can return to fitness after birth, you can join our postpartum fitness programs. We guide you day by day on how to return back to lifting and get back to running and the sports that you love. You can also join our postpartum education courses, which includes infant CPR, infant massage, and then also what to expect for the postpartum and newborn care. If you're a professional and you're wanting to support the perinatal population, we do have our fitness trainer course and our birth workers course, depending on what topic you really wanna focus on. And as a thank you for listening to this episode, you can use code STORY10 to get 10% off any of our online programs and fitness courses.